PM board bombs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where we help you study for boards, but in reality, we're helping you study for hashtag EM life. One rapid podcast episode at a time. I'm Ultifat Hussein and I'm joined today by Dr. Mary Claire O'Brien, also known as hashtag GOAT OG, Professor of Emergency Medicine, one of my co-faculty at Wake Forest School of Medicine, and one of my mentors. This is part of an exciting series that we're calling O'Brien's Fireside Five, where we get interesting pearls dropped in a fireside fashion in about five minutes. Today's O'Brien's Fireside Five is on why abdominal pain in appendicitis, cholecystitis, cholecystitis, and other critical to know EM pathologies presents the way it does. This episode is going to change the way you ask your patients questions about their abdominal pain. It certainly tweaked it for me. But before we jump into the episode, as always, we'd love to plug our premium podcast, EM Rapid Bombs. If you enjoy EM Board Bombs and you want a TikTok version of our podcast, that's what EM Rapid Bombs is. We prepare you for boards and also for clinical practice. We have over 200 episodes now, and they're about five minutes long each. They're in question-answer format, so you get all that content seared into your memory. It's a great way to learn content in a, in a way that's not overwhelming. So you can listen to the episodes while you're jogging, while you're walking your dog, doing a host of other things. We also have a trial version of this available, so you can sign up on our website with no commitment, just for 24 hours, try it out, see if you like it. If you don't, you can cancel it. If you like it, you can keep going on with it. All right, on to the episode. So after that intro, again, we're joined here by Dr. Mary Claire O'Brien, Professor of Emergency Medicine here at Wake Forest. She's been with us before in the past talking about appendicitis. And Mary Claire, I am pumped to have you here because <laughs> you blew my mind with how abdominal pain presents and some of the embryological manifestations for it. And I know, look, look, wait, our fellow listeners out there right now, you might be tuning out. I use the word embryology. I know, <laughs> I know you're saying no, no. And I thought the same too, when Mary Claire and I were working a shift together and she said, hey, do you want to hear something really cool about abdominal pain and some of its origins? I, you guys know myself and Dr. Briggs, we tend to have a little bit of ADD and we, um, you know, just get lost in our own thoughts. And I thought, I would just be bored out of my mind. I really did think that. I'm sorry, Mary Claire. I thought that. But, okay. but five <laughs> minutes into it, I was blown away. Um, so, And I said, we've got to have our listeners listen to this. And since then, it's been crazy how many of my patients who I've diagnosed with appendicitis or cholecystitis have presented in, in that similar fashion that you told me about. So we're going to get into it. This is going to be pretty short, but uh, tell me about abdominal pain and some of the embryological manifestations and why certain people present with interesting episodes of abdominal pain. So Iltifad, I am so glad to talk about this uh, because abdominal pain happens to be one of my favorite emergency medicine complaints. 
Uh, it used to be back in the mid 80s when I trained, we didn't have a CAT scan and golly whiz, you actually had to examine the patients. <laughs> Sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, we didn't use CAT scans for abdominal pain or for anything else for that matter. And, uh, you know, patients either got better or worse. Yeah. And when they came in with these vague complaints, which we'll talk about with embryology, how you can use those vague complaints to do something useful. But when they came in, we would you know, observe them for a while. They got better or worse, and maybe we'd figure out what was wrong, or maybe they'd burst something and need a surgery. <laughs> but anyway, rule number four, patients get better or worse. Right. But I want to talk about embryology, and I don't remember very much about medical school. Please don't ask me about the Krebs cycle. Please. No, no. Don't do that to me. Repressed memories. Right. But if you are going to take care of patients with abdominal pain, and it's an extremely frequent complaint in the emergency department... You have absolutely got to know about the embryology of the gut and all its associated organs. So basically everything in that black box that's abdomen and pelvis, you need to understand the embryology. And here's why. Because when your patients come in and you say to them, point with one finger, where does it hurt? And they draw a circle over their entire abdomen. <laughs> they're, they're not being uncooperative. That is really literally how a lot of these abdominal things, cholecystitis, appendicitis, diverticulitis, any itis, this is how it, it initially begins, because visceral pain, visceral pain, not somatic pain, by definition, is vague and dull and difficult for patients to describe. So they're not stupid. They don't lack vocabulary. That's literally how it feels to them. And if you, if you understand that in the evolution of all these illnesses, it's the, uh, the stretch receptors in those hollow organs or the irritation of the visceral peritoneum that causes this dull, ear-defined pain. And, and if you can understand where the pain is and what that points to, narrowing down the organs that it might be, you know, you and I were all taught to examine the belly in terms of four quadrants. Right. And you know very well that the organs don't live in quadrants. No. Even the organs that we think of as living in quadrants, let's pick the gallbladder, for example. Let's pick the appendix. In pregnancy, it's not in the advanced pregnancy. It's not in the right lower quadrant. It doesn't live there anymore. Depending on how patchless a gallbladder is, it might not be all the way in the right upper quadrant. You right. know that. Anyway, embryology of visceral pain. There's only three parts in the beginning in the embryo, a foregut, a midgut, a hindgut. That's it. And it's very simple. The foregut is the stomach, the first and second part of the duodenum, and the whole biliary system. That means the liver, the gallbladder, the pancreas. That's it. The midgut is the third and fourth part of duodenum, the rest of the bowel, all the way around to the end of the second third of the transverse colon. And the hindgut is the re remaining colon, rectum, and all the GU system in both men and women. So what you can do is memorize what's the foregut, memorize what's the hindgut, and everything in between is the midgut. Right. Simple. In, the, in embryology, visceral pain is referred to in this way. Foregut pain is always referred to the epigastrium. That is why if you go at it from the point of view looking for patients to have right upper quadrant pain in the early stages of cholecystitis, you are going to miss it. Because in the early stages of cholecystitis, when someone gets distension of the gallbladder, a little bit of inflammation in the wall, but not enough to irritate the parietal peritoneum, their pain will be vague and it will be epigastric because foregut pain gets referred to the epigastrium. The same is true for liver pain, when a little bit of distension of the liver capsule, it's in the epigastrium. It's not in the right upper quadrant. So uh, let me get some clarification on that. I think this is really important. When that patient is coming and they're withering around in with epigastric pain, you get the CT scan or the ultrasound, you see a ton of gallstones, uh -huh. but you're not seeing any obvious 
signs of cholecystitis. I mean, that's they're being set up essentially to develop cholecystitis kind of later. And granted, it can be potentially biliary colic, but but I like that approach and I like that understanding some of those early signs because then you can also, if you are going to send the patient home, you're going to have a good plan and you can specifically tell them about how that pain localized. And that's where I really loved hearing that talk you gave me earlier, but keep going. Yeah. So that is why with appendicitis, patients complain initially of periumbilical pain because the appendix embryologically is part of the midgut. Vague, weird nausea, a little bit of discomfort. I don't know. It doesn't feel right. And only when the pain, uh, when the appendix is inflamed enough to irritate the parietal peritoneum, does you, do you get sharp somatic pain in the right lower quadrant where the appendix in general lives. So important part in terms of the evolution of these diseases to recognize in the early stages that the pain, the discomfort presents in a place other than where the eventual location of the itis lives. Right. And that, you know, I've had, since you told me that, it's been just crazy because I've had patients with appendicitis and cholecystitis. And when I've asked all those patients, you know, how they present, and granted, not all patients will present like this. They're always going to be uh, patients that fall out of this. But it's been really interesting to see uh, that progression where, yes, you know, they were having right upper abdominal pain. Now they finally present after a few days of cholecystitis, you know, on CT imaging. But when you really ask them, like, how did it start? Where did epigastric area, appendicitis, same thing, all started, you know, in one case, just right around that abdominal uh, or, you know, right around peri-umbilical area. Uh, and then uh, not really even moving. They just said then all of a sudden they were just feeling a little bit more on the right-handed side. You know? so, um, and the same is true for diverticulitis, which is, you know, it, pay, it behooves us to learn for these common illnesses where the presenting findings would be. The, the uh, distal part of the colon is referred to the suprapubic area. So the older person who comes in, you know, I haven't had a bowel movement. I feel a little bit of discomfort. And you examine them and they feel like they're having their discomfort suprapubic. They don't all have a bladder infection. <laughs> it, it may be, you know, it could be prostate. It could be, uh, it, uh, it could be uh, uterine. It could be uh, uh, the distal part of the colon. And the initial referral of the pain and the places where it's perceived by the patient is actually in the suprapubic area. Is there, as, as we age in your readings, have you seen anything with as we age, you know, we're always told that um, older folks will have more vague symptoms. Mm -hmm. uh, it, do we, is there an embryological manifestation to that or? You know? Yeah, so we don't know why entirely, mm -hmm. uh, but, and we don't know if it's because of the aging of the nervous system or maybe all us old folks just get used to it and you young folks are bigger complainers. Oh, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> but what, what, I, what I would say is, is that, that it's important to understand the presentations for all different demographics, and that would include people at both ends of the age spectrum as well as both genders. And uh, I, would, I would also say that while, uh, as I was taught in residency, vital signs are vital, that's why we call them that. Right that normal vital signs do not preclude serious illness, particularly in the extremes of life and obviously in patients who are immune suppressed. Right. No, very true. Um, so that was a great summary. Again, we wanted to keep this pretty short. Can you go through the, the foregut, midgut again and yeah. just uh, summarize it for us real quick? Yes. So foregut, the stomach, the first and second part of the duodenum, and the biliary system. So that's liver, gallbladder, pancreas. All the, those organs, when they initially get inflamed, are going to present with epigastric discomfort. 
that will be vague. And I'd like to also bring up a point. You mentioned the biliary tract. That's why a lot of times when you have a patient that you're worried about clodocolithiasis or cholangitis, you know, oftentimes those symptoms are, especially clodocolithiasis, sudden onset. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily a smoldering clodocolithiasis. Um, you know, those symptoms I've realized really are just epigastric, even though they're not in that place, because it's not like a smoldering type thing. Right. It's like a, a sudden onset type of uh, pain. But anyways, an interesting finding that I've at least seen when I look back at and learning about this, but continue. And then the midgut, the third and fourth part of the duodenum, the jejunum, ilium, cecum, appendix, ascending colon, first two thirds of the transverse colon. So basically everything in the middle from the third part of the duodenum to the first two-thirds of the transverse colon. And that gets referred periumbilical. So uh, that's that. And then the hindgut, the remaining colon, the last third of the transverse colon, and the rest of the colon, and sigmoid colon, the rectum, and the genitourinary system. Awesome. Gets Thanks referred suprapubic. Awesome. Thanks for that, Mary Claire. That was a fantastic summary. I really appreciate it. I was blown yeah. away. Yeah, you might actually have to examine the patient yes. before you do the CAT scan. <laughs> right, right. Gee. <laughs> or that is examine. Actually ask them about how it presented. Yes. All right. All right. Fair enough. Thank you. You're welcome. We hope you enjoyed that special episode with Mary Claire O'Brien, one of our valuable team members on EM Board Bombs, one of our editors as well for our peer-reviewed content that we have. So thank you again for joining us. And next time, Mary Claire will actually join us for more excellent clinical information that'll change the way you practice. We've got a couple more episodes of her being featured in them. So remember, you can go to our website, www.emboardbombs.com. You can also go to emrapidbombs.supercast.com. Go to either one of those websites for access to our exclusive premium podcast. With this premium podcast, you get access to drip learning, as we call it, that asynchronous learning where you're getting just a little bit of tidbit of knowledge each day for clinical practice and your boards as well. You know, we optimize the way you study. Stop wasting your time studying just for boards. Study for life. We'll see you next time.